Thank you, Julia. Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's good to be here on the first Sunday of a new year, of a new decade even. Uh, good to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, United Methodist Church was in the news this week. Um, some of you may have seen that. Some of you might not have. But uh, if not, I wanted to just give you an update on, on what's going on. Several media outlets reported that the United Methodist Church has agreed to split. Um, that's not exactly true. Um, a plan to make it easier for churches to leave the denomination has been proposed. This is one of a hundred proposals that's going to come before our general conference in May. This is certainly not a done deal um, by any stretch of the imagination. However, what has um, maybe um, given this a little bit more um, notoriety is the fact that this particular plan um, is not um, the progressive plan or the traditionalist plan, but both progressives and traditionalists alike seem to agree on this particular plan. Um, and, and I think that's particularly noteworthy. In fact, the person who brought all of these leaders from these different groups together was none other than Bishop John Yambasu of Sierra Leone, who has stood here in this pulpit and preached to us. Some of you know him very well because of our work in Sierra Leone, and my hat's off to him for bringing all these disparate groups together. Um, as you know, I find all of this very fascinating, and I'm going to keep you up to date on what's happening with the denomination. Um, but I do think that the media kind of uh, um, got out in, in front of something that, uh, that's in, in didn't report it um, perfectly accurately. Um, for some of you, um, it, it may seem anxiety-producing to think about the denomination changing. Um, I, I just want to let you know that this is, this is certainly nothing new to Christianity. Um, throughout the history of the church, um, we have multiplied through division. Um, there have been so many different denominations, and even Methodism has undergone a lot of changes over the years. But I'm eager to start this year and this decade with my brothers and sisters in Christ right here, and I hope that you are too. And uh, we will pray that God will be with us uh, through it all. As we move into uh, the new year, um, as Pastor Christina has already alluded to, our uh, scripture for today is going to be about prayer, and that's going to be our focus throughout this month. And so I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll look at um, perhaps the most famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, where we thank you for prayer, for a way of communicating with you, of talking with you, that's open all day long, every single day. There are no barriers. Father, help us to be a prayerful people who continue to keep you informed with what's happening in our lives and keep open that communication line. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start out the new year with a confession. And the confession is that I've never really been good with directions. 
Um, I think it all started when I was a child. I'd receive a gift of Legos that was supposed to be made into some type of object. You know, I remember getting a police helicopter or a Coast Guard ship or a small castle or a miniature Death Star or whatever. But um, there are instructions that come in the box with how to put these things together. Well, I never opened the instructions. I looked at the picture on the box, and I tried to put the pieces together by looking at the picture on the box. That, what fun is it to follow the instructions? Well, this has become a problem now that I'm an adult, especially around Christmas time. Did you know that basketball goals come in a box? They're not assembled like they are at Walmart or Target or Dick's or wherever you buy these things. Same thing with a ping pong table. They come in a box. Well, I try to look at the directions, and it always appears to me as if some key element is missing. So I always end up getting help to put something together. I have the same problem with navigational directions. As a male member of our species, I think I know where I'm going at all times. So I don't like to use the navigational equipment that comes on the phone or the car or whoever's sitting in the passenger seat. Um, But there are times when I end up in a place that I'm not particularly familiar with. For instance, I took my wife and kids to Orlando this past week. I can tell you how to get there. You take 74 to 95 to Interstate 4 to International Drive. There are three turns between this church and the hotel 600 miles south. <laughs> Only problem is good old Siri on the phone told me to get off the interstate in Florida, go through some small town, do 35 miles an hour, stop at a bunch of stoplights, then get back on the exact same interstate two miles down the road. I have no idea why. It makes no sense at all. I hate bad directions. Speaking of which, a man was in the doghouse with his wife, so he ordered her some flowers and told the florist that the card should read, I'm sorry, comma, I love you. (laughs) Unfortunately, his instructions were not clear enough. And when the flowers arrived, the card read, I'm sorry, I love you, no comma. I think a lot of us would like to receive some straightforward instructions to keep us out of big messes. And I think one of the major areas where we'd like to receive good directions is around the area of prayer. Relevant Magazine recently reported that over half of all Americans say that they pray every day. But I'd be willing to guess that close to 100% of people who pray would like to know how to do it better. Now, we looked at prayer a lot in the year 2019. But I can think of no better way to start off the new year than talking about prayer. After all, it is one of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And if you feel like you struggle with prayer, I want to let you know that you are not alone. Even the disciples said that they struggled with prayer. And I figure if they needed help, then chances are we do too. Luke 11.1 says one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples. And that's what Jesus did. He taught his disciples how to pray. And in the process, he shared four items that need to be a part of all of our prayers. And it's my hope that after this lesson, all of our prayer lives might improve a little bit based on what Jesus taught us. 
We're going to go to the famous Sermon on the Mount today. It's the longest section of Jesus' words that we find anywhere in the Bible. And in this particular section of Scripture, Jesus is giving some basic instructions about how to live. And right smack dab in the middle is where he talks about prayer. And again, I hope this is a helpful tool because I have heard from so many parishioners over the years, not just here but in in other churches that I've served, who feel like they are worried that they might be doing it wrong. Um, Let me tell you, if you are praying to God, chances are you're not doing it wrong. Um, God wants to hear from us all the time. But uh, again, a lot of folks uh, seem to lack confidence when it comes to prayer. So let's go back to this Lord's Prayer. Let's go back to this model prayer and see what we can learn. The first item that needs to be included in our prayers is an item of praise. Notice how the text starts. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, now this may sound obvious, but uh, starting this way reminds us that the prayer is not all about us, that the object of our prayers is God, right? You know, and I say that because I find myself sometimes just going through my personal wish list, right? Um, But Jesus reminds us that always the focus of our prayers is on God. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Well, I don't use that word hallowed a whole lot. Um, what, what does that mean? Well, it, it means um, that something is holy. It needs to be revered. Um, how, how do we revere God? Well, by coming to worship, by praying to God. Um, as we talk to God in, in this moment, we're recognizing that God is almighty, all-powerful. And that's important to recognize that we need to show our dependence on God, that we're not going through this life all by ourselves. Psalm 20 says, Some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Taking the time to talk to God shows that we put our trust in God and not someone else or some other thing. Another way to give praise to God is simply by giving him thanks. Uh, again, this, this, is, this is a problem that I've noticed in my own prayer life. I sometimes forget to give God thanks. I go straight to the wants, straight to the needs, straight to the wishes, right? But the Bible says we should give thanksgiving and praise continually. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Think of some of the things that you're thankful for right now. When was the last time you thanked God for your family? When was the last time you thanked God for your job and your home? When was the last time you thanked God for your friends, for your life, for God's mercy and grace? How else do we give God praise? How else can we hallow his name? How do we give him thanks? Certainly by the way we live our lives, right? Matthew 5 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. My best friend growing up, his name was Jonathan. Um, We shared a lot in common, um, a lot of common interests, but but we were kind of different personalities. Um, For instance, uh, when he was 14, his dad bought him a go-kart. Lucky dog. Um, only problem was, just like my old Lego sets, it came with some assembly required. 
Now, my, my friend Jonathan, his dad um, was a salesman. He was on the road all the time. He, he wasn't home uh, much in the evenings. He wasn't home much on the weekends. And Jonathan was really eager to get behind the wheel of his new toy. So he thought, what would my dad do if he were here? Well, he said he would do this right. He would get out the instructions. Again, very different from my approach. He would get out the instructions and assemble this thing. So that's what he did. Um, He got out the instructions at 14 and assembled a go-kart. Engine, the tires, the base, the whole thing, put it together by himself. And when his dad came home, saw what he had done, he praised his son for putting it all together following the instructions. Something I couldn't have done. You know, I think that's a pretty good example of how we should respond in this life. You know, Christ isn't physically here with us anymore. But we should ask the question, what would he do if he were here? Well, he'd follow the instructions as given in the Bible. And if we want the pieces of our lives to fit together, then maybe we should do the same thing. Follow the instructions. So the first item our prayers ought to include is praise. The second is thanks. The third item our prayers should include is help, right? Sometimes I hear people tell me that when they pray, they never pray for themselves. I'm like, well, why not? Well, you know, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be a burden to God with my piddly things or so many more important things. I hear that all the time. It may sound noble. It's not. Okay, it's all right. Now, I said earlier that the focus of our prayer should be God. That's absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't go to God asking that our earthly needs not be met. Notice verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, there's a big difference between needs and wants, right? I mean, a big difference. Um, and and it it probably doesn't sound like a big deal to ask God for our daily bread. After all, we can just go down to Food Line or... Harris Teeter or the new Lidl down the street. Um, But to the majority of the world, um, bread is a big deal. Getting a meal is difficult, and it was difficult in Jesus' day too. But the the reference to bread is is really more symbolic. It it means all of our physical needs. And, And like I say, there's a big difference between a need and a want. You know, I need water to survive. I probably don't need a brand new car. Um, I need shelter. I don't need an 80-inch TV in every room of my house. You know, I need food to live. I don't need a Brit's donut every single day. (laughs) Thankfully, they're closed during the winter, so I don't have that temptation. (laughs) But how should your needs and your wants affect your prayer life? Well, it means as we pray, we need to express the desires that we have, but also temper them with not our will, but God's, right? After all, we pray that in the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? What happens when we pray like that? Well, God will answer our prayers. Now, he won't always answer them in the way that we want to, right? But he'll answer them according to his will. And if we're praying for things that are a part of God's will, then we know that it will happen, okay? Which is easier to understand when you understand the relationship that's set up at the beginning of the prayer. How does the prayer begin? Our father, father, right? There's a relationship there. Now, what is a good father supposed to do? 
He's supposed to take care of his children. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this, right? It's my desire as a father to meet the needs of my kids. I want to feed them, provide shelter for them, provide them with love and support and stability. You know, but there are times when you got to tell your kids no, right? I mean, that's just part of it. I remember when I was a child, my dad was still in the Air Force, and we'd go down to Seymour Johnson at, in Goldsboro, and I would ask him if I could fly one of the F-16s. You know, like he owned them or something, you know. Well, of course, the answer was no. You know, you know, some of you can probably remember when you turned 16, you know, hoping that you would get a brand new car. You know, sometimes the answer is no. You know, but because we didn't get those things, does that mean that our parents didn't love us? Of course not. They knew that some of our requests were simply not what we needed in that moment. Most of our parents did a pretty good job of providing what we needed even if it wasn't always what we wanted, as my kids are laughing at me from the back row back there. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, or your body more important than clothes? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. The point I'm trying to make is it's okay to include yourself in your prayers. I don't know what your specific needs are. But I'll tell you a little bit about what I pray for on a daily basis. Um, I pray that God will give me peace when I'm feeling anxious. I pray that God will give me wisdom and discernment. For God to help me to be a good leader of his people, to be a good follower of his son. I pray that God would protect my family, to keep us healthy, to help us get along, whatever else might be important for that particular day. So the first item our prayers need to include is praise. Our second is thanks. The third is help. And the fourth is confession. Confession. The word debts in the Lord's Prayer is not a reference to monetary debts. It's reference to the spiritual debts that we owe God. And, of course, we Methodists, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we prefer the word trespasses, which means an offense towards someone else. We first ask God to forgive us of the things that we have done that have offended him or someone else. And then we ask that we might forgive the things when someone else has offended us. Anybody ever been offended? Yeah, okay. And what does God do when we ask for forgiveness? He cleanses us of that debt, of that trespass, of that offense. He erases that sin from our lives. 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the key is to confess. And boy, that's not an easy thing to do. Because I don't know too many people who like to admit that they're wrong. You know, a lot of us are probably making resolutions this time of year. Maybe hoping to get, you know, healthier, get fit. The famous opera singer Beverly Sills used to talk about her struggles with her weight very openly. And when she became the general director of the New York City Opera, she put on weight she just couldn't get off. She said, it made me sick to look at myself. I reached a point where I didn't want to have my clothes tailor-made anymore. It was just too embarrassing. So I just ordered everything from a catalog. And eventually, Sills was forced to face her problem. 
She woke up one day and decided to call the doctor. And when she got on the scale at the doctor's office, she said, I can't possibly weigh that much. The doctor looked at her and said, please look down. Are those two feet on the scale yours or mine? And she said, once I accepted the problem, I was on my way. And I tell that story because there has to be a recognition on our part of what it is that we are responsible for before we ever start to change. Confession of our sins, simple honesty with God needs to be a part of our prayer life. So praise, thanks, help, and confession. In our Vision 2020 journal that uh, Pastor Christine has already talked about, we've made it even simpler than that. We listed it as wow, thanks, help and sorry. But I think above all, when it comes to prayer, I need to go to God just so that he'll lead me, just to give me direction. You know, I have tried to lead myself on numerous occasions throughout my 48 years, and I've discovered that I'm not really good at avoiding all the pitfalls that are out there. Um, You know, as smart as I may think that I am, I still end up with all kinds of problems. And the ones, the ones that drive me the craziest are the ones that looking back on, I know now I could have avoided. So how in the world do we do better? Well, we follow someone other than ourselves. We place ourselves under someone else's leadership. And it can't just be anybody. You know, if we're going to avoid the pitfalls of life, then we've got to put ourselves under the lordship of Christ. A part of our prayer life needs to be to ask God to lead us away from temptation and to overcome all things evil. Nevertheless, as much as we want to stay out of those pitfalls, as much as we want to avoid sin, sometimes we slip, right? Here's the good news. When we do, we have a God who does not look at us and say, well, you screwed up, too bad, I'm out of here. No. Uh -uh. Instead, we have a God who has the power and ability to lift us up from the pit of despair and give us abundant life. So maybe you're struggling with the direction in which your life is going. Or or maybe you have a loved one that you're really concerned about and you're worried about the direction that their life is going. As we move into a new year together, let me encourage you to pray and ask for God to lead you, to direct you, and if necessary, to restore you. Give praise, give thanks, ask for help, and say, I'm sorry. God is eager to lead you in this new year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.